May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, God, our strength and our redeemer. The word gospel means good news. This is the good news of Christ. I'm not too sure about today's gospel reading. It has about it a certain foreboding. And certainly where it comes in the context of the rest of that chapter, it certainly sounds like this. Jesus has been talking with his disciples about, well, the times at the end. Uh, They've been asking him about the temple and when it will be destroyed. And they've been asking him about how they will know when it's time to flee, when disaster strikes. And he tells them they won't know. I know when I was a teenager, I was particularly um, frightened of this idea There was a movie that we all watched called Thief in the Night. It was kind of based around this idea of, you know, the thief will come and you won't know and you might get left behind. That those who God loves will go to heaven and those who haven't lived a good life will get left behind and you need to be ready. A friend of mine had a t-shirt that said, Christ is coming, look busy. But a couple of weeks ago, Richard Randerson gave us a wonderful way of thinking about those end times that used to frighten me when I was a teenager. He said, it's not so much about the time that comes at the end as the end, the the meaning, the purpose, the reason for us being. And that end times are not so much times when everything is about to cease, but are the times in which we need to remember the most what is the end of our being? What is the reason for us existing? What is our purpose as people of God? So as Jesus talks to his disciples, and they've kind of got their heads in this kind of chronological time thing where everything is just going to kind of blow up, and of course we kind of live in a state like that now, don't we? Where we feel like the climate is changing irreversibly and we might not be around much longer as human beings and there seems to be wars and there seems to be all kinds of terrible things happening and I've lost count of the number of conversations I've had week by week where people say, what are we going to do? There is so much dysfunction in our world. There is so much hurt and pain and fear It feels like the other kind of end times where everything is just going to blow out of proportion. But in this very time, we need to remember the end. What it is that we're here for. Whose we are and what we're called to be and do as followers of Christ. Because as well as it's being a time in Advent where we kind of think of cosmic things, we think of the coming of the Christ child in the crib, we think of the coming of Christ when all time falls away and everything is completed. We also remember that Christ comes day by day in each moment. And we have to be awake to it or else we miss it. 
And that is how God resources us, to be the kind of people who live according to the purpose of God, according to those reasons of faith and hope and love. We are resourced to be those people by being open to those very things that are there in our world. Yes, there are signs of hurt and pain, of injustice, but there are also signs of love, of peace, of joy, of hope. And so during this season, we're going to be lighting candles, lighting candles on our Advent wreath to keep us alert and awake to these qualities which God calls us to recognise around us in the world and to point to these things and bring other people hope and peace and joy and love. So today we lit our hope candle and I want to talk to you about hope. I want to invite you to a discipline of hope this Advent. Bill Wallace, a New Zealand hymn writer, encouraged us to look for those signs of hope in the world around us in our own Aotearoa context. And if you'd like a copy of the words of this hymn, this little hymn, quite a simple hymn, um, I've made some cards and they're sitting on the round table at the back. You can take one with you when you go. I'd like to read it to you. Signs of hope in nature come like Godwit's flight, raising with cicadas songs within the night. Flaking bark of matai, fuchsia's bursting buds, point to summer flowerings set within God's love. When Pohutikawa tinges green with red, fire will soon envelop all its verdant head. Signs of hope in people flash from lively eyes. Warmth and tears and touching help new hope arise. So Christ comes in Advent, healing broken dreams, bathing all our sorrows, binding earth's extremes. Come into the sunlight where you all belong. Share Christ's feast of caring, Sing the gospel song, justice for earth's people, peace for one and all, oneness in God's loving, sounds the Advent call. So this Advent, these four weeks that lead us to Christmas, that begin today, today, the first day of the year, that kind of day the New Year's Day that we often look back and then look forward. Let us choose to look forward to find Christ's presence among us in the everyday. As we look towards Christmas and the coming of God as a human amongst us, which the Feast of the Incarnation is all about, let us also notice today the presence of God in the people we meet, the signs of hope that God gives to us in the beauty of a raindrop, in the greenness that surrounds us. 
in the tears and the smiles of those who are important to us. Another discipline that I invite you to, which can help with this capacity to see signs of hope, is the discipline of gratitude. I was reading a couple of days ago the writing of a woman called Christy Nelson, who was reflecting on the time when she was diagnosed with stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma and how she had to confront the question, how do I live while expecting to die? There is a sense, of course, in which we all need to confront that question because dying is a part of living. And like the thief in the night, we don't know when death will come for us So we do need to think, how do I live while knowing that I will die? She wrote this, Christy wrote this. The first few years of uncertainty and the remission of my Hodgkin's lymphoma put the blessings of my life in sharp relief. I was in super soak mode. Every experience was saturated with new meaning. And I was absorbing it all, fully. I didn't know any other way to live the moments that I had other than to greet each one as gratefully as I could. Not sure how much... I was awestruck by every moment, every person and everything. Being grateful for those first few years was relatively easy and revelatory. I could put both feet on the floor and walk freely to a kitchen where I could make a cup of tea. It was enough to make me start each day with tears of joy. Being alive was enough. But, over time, all those amazing reasons to feel grateful joined the ranks of the taken for granted. I got healthy and busy. I began chasing goals and the fulfillment that those goals promised. I martyred myself to a job. I complained about things like traffic, my weight, having a cold. I ruthlessly... I succumbed to retail therapy and debt, and I suffered from stress. Each year that passed, I built up a kind of tolerance against gratitude. What used to be enough got left in the dust in the pursuit of having more. Having cheated death, I began cheating life. After some challenging years, I finally came to realise that maintaining a grateful perspective is a true discipline. This capacity for grateful perspective is a muscle that I needed to build and use and is still something that I need to nurture and tend daily. The practice of looking at the world through grateful eyes 
and with a grateful heart is an exquisite end in itself. So I invite you with me to submit to these disciplines of looking for signs of hope and for building up the muscle of gratitude, grateful perspective. Nurture these things, tend them daily, and may they resource you to be signs of hope for others and more and more each day to be able to receive more fully the love that God has for you as we look for Christ coming all around us.